2 Timothy chapter 4, and let's get the uh, screen changed for me if you wouldn't mind, por favor. 2 Timothy chapter 4. When we have all these extra things going on, we just, uh, we have trouble keeping up. And can you, there it is. 2 Timothy, and what I want to talk about today is when it's all said and done, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 8, we actually looked at these verses in the very beginning of our study, and we're kind of back to the beginning again, and I want to, I want to uh, talk about this when it's all said and done. You know, the swan song, this, is, this study, this, this book, 2 Timothy chapter, uh, 2 Timothy, the book of seven, let's start all over again. <laughs> You know, um, the swan song, you know, I, I, I read about that. It's, it's kind of a, an interesting thing. It's, it's, it's debated whether it's true or not that the swans, you know, just before they die, they sing this beautiful song. And it's, you know, some people believe that it's true and some people say it's just a myth that someone made up, but, you know, that they're, they're kind of silent, although they do kind of make some noise, some noises, but they're not real pretty. They don't sing like, you know, birds do. Uh, but that, this belief that just before they're about to die, they sing a beautiful song. Now, I don't know if it's really true or not. I haven't been around many uh, swans passing. Um, have any of you been there at the moment? No, okay. So... But it's an interesting, interesting thought, and so that's kind of where we get that terminology, the, the swan song. And, and I, think, I think it fits for Paul, you know, this last letter that he gives to us. And we've been looking at it for quite a few months, maybe nine months or something like that, or a little longer. But Paul, he's, he's in the Mamertine prison. He's in this dungeon. It's a place of a horrible place, stench. And they're not, you know, taking care of you. There's no televisions in there. There's nothing in there. It's like you're in a dungeon. You're chained up. It's terrifying. It's dark. It's a horrifying place. And yet he is allowed to write, which I find interesting. And so he writes these words, this book of 2 Timothy, to Timothy, and it's part of what we call the pastoral epistles. And really it's to kind of encourage, to, to exhort, and to challenge Timothy to keep fighting the good fight right? But you and I, you know, we, we now have this preserved for us and that, that God can encourage and exhort and challenge us to keep fighting the good fight. When it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, what are we going to say? Are we going to be like Paul? That's what we're going to talk about today, when it's all said and done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that you have miraculously uh, preserved these words for us today, that we can look at them, we can uh, study them, we can ask you uh, by your spirit to speak to our hearts. Lord, you know each person here, you know the challenges that each one of us face. And I pray, Lord, that you would, by your word, help us. By your word, by your spirit, these, are, these words are God-breathed. You breathe them out to us, for us. Speak to our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at these verses, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. 
Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. He starts by saying, he's referring back to the Old Testament. He says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And, and as you read the Old Testament, you find the, the offerings that were there. There were different kinds of offerings. There, was, there were offerings for sin. There were offerings that were, that were called thank offerings, and some were called free will offerings. But there was a part of the offering that was a drink offering where they would take this wine and they would pour it out. And so Paul's kind of using that terminology that he's, that he's being poured out. And, and, and kind of, it kind of goes with this idea of thank offerings that, you know, he, he, he wasn't upset that he was being poured out. He said, my life, I've given my life and it's being poured out as an offering in thankfulness to God, in free will offering to God. You see, that's, when he uses these words, there's meaning to them. There's, there's meaning behind them that, that he wasn't ashamed to be pouring out his life for the one who gave his life for him. Isn't that a cool picture? It's not an easy picture, again, when you're thinking about him being in this prison and, and for his faith in Jesus Christ. We looked at other verses where he, you know, he talks about the fact that he was rescued. And there were times in his life when he was rescued, when God rescued him from you know, whatever the danger was, you know, when he was, when he was they, they pelted him with stones because they didn't like him, and they left him for dead. And some think, some believe that he actually did die. And when he talks about, you know, being caught up to the third heaven, that maybe it was during that time when he was left there for dead, but they, his, his friends and that came around him, and guess what? He revived and he got back up and they kind of carried on with their business. There were times when God gave him rescue. There were times when in our lives when God will rescue us, but not this time. And there will always come a time for you and I when there will be no more rescue. Paul talked about the time of his departure. He knew that this was the time. Now, now we won't all, always know. But he knew that the time had come and he was ready for it. He was ready for it. That's kind of an interesting question. Are, are you and I ready? We don't know the time. We don't know the time. It could happen at any moment. It could happen out on the highway. You know, I'm, we're driving on the highway last night. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you've got these, uh, uh, how much do cars weigh? 2,000 pounds? 4,000? 4,000 pounds. So two tons, let's say, that are moving along at speeds of 60, 70 miles an hour. We got pulled over last night. We, were, we, we had transferred from one highway to another highway, and I guess the speed got dropped down, and we got pulled over. And we said... <laughs> and then we said... And then she said, okay, go on your way. 
Just keep in mind this is 50 in here. But I'm thinking, I'm drive, we're, we're driving, I'm, and, and I'm not going to tell you who was driving. And, and we're going along this highway, but I'm thinking, you know, you've got these two-ton vehicles that are, that are just moving along at incredible speeds, and if one bumps into your, and you're really only about this far away from that other vehicle, really. And if one bumps into the other and you like start to roll and, and anything could happen, it's like, it's like, it's a miracle really that we get from point A to point B and something doesn't happen. Really, be careful. Be careful. But it could happen at any moment. You know, I, I turned over uh, the other night and I felt this pain right here. I go, oh no. Elizabeth, <laughs> you'd have to be old enough to know that joke. <laughs> Elizabeth, but uh, <laughs> you don't know. But the question is, are you ready? Even if you don't know, are you ready? Are you ready to go if the time says, God, I'm not gonna, God says, I'm not going to rescue you anymore. This is the time. This is the time for the departure. And this would work better if I turned it on. This word departure is a very interesting word, I, I think. And I, I like words, and, and uh, I don't always get them right. And Barbara, you know, corrects me for my English. Thank you, Barbara. And Barbara's doing pretty good, I have to say. I want to say that because I saw her this week. She's, she's actually doing pretty good. She would love to be here, but, you know, kind of getting out and getting up the stairs and all that, it's, it's hard. But pray for her, and she misses being here. But this word departure, you know, he says, the time has come for my departure. It's, it's used in a lot of different ways as a seaman's word. When they would, when they would take up the anchor or they would, you know, release from the mooring. And the boat could then be free to move. Paul says, the time has come when I'm, when the, I'm going to pull up the anchor. It's time for me to go. It's a plowman's word when, when they would have a, a yoke of, of oxen, let's say, and, and they were very, very tired. They were the, at the end of a long day, and they would take the yoke off of them. Now, I can relate to that one. Can you relate to that one? The time of departure, you know, it, you, you start to get tired. You know, I'd, I'd like to take this yoke off, although we have to keep in mind what Jesus said about the yoke. What did he say? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so a lot of times the yoke we're carrying isn't his yoke, it's our own yoke, but we still get tired. And even, even wearing his yoke, there's going to come a time when he's going to say, it's time, it's done, it's time, let's take off the yoke, it's time to depart. The last one, a traveler's word, where they would, it says they would fold up the tent. They would fold up to the tent so that they could, they could travel on. That's, that's kind of interesting because the Bible talks in, in uh, language about our bodies that they're like a tent, right? Where the tent's going to be folded up and it's time to, time to move on. He said, the time of my departure has come. It's not an end, though, is it? That's kind of interesting language. It, it's, it's, it's not an end. He says, not, my, my end hasn't come. My time for departure has come when we leave this planet, when we leave this life, when we leave here, 
and we go somewhere else. Well, where are we going to go? Next week, I'm going to talk about heaven because it's just, it's, he's pointing to it, and it's one of my favorite subjects. But he says in, in verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And, and when it's all said and done, he says, the time for my departure, time for me to go. And he says, but I have, I have, I have. What do you see there? He's, he's ready, but he has no regrets. I don't know. I don't know about, about you know, what, what our lives are like in, in, in this world. You know, are we, are, we, are we doing like Paul is saying here about fighting and running and, and holding on to so that when we get to the end, we're not going to have any regrets. I'm not going to feel bad. But what happens usually, we're, we're involved in all kinds of different stuff, and, and we get to the end, and we go, wow, I haven't really been fighting. I think Paul's life, in the words that he says here, he's not boasting. He's given us an example to follow, that, that to fight, to fight when it's all said and done. I have, I have, I have. And we can say that with Paul. I have fought the good fight. Someone pointed this out, and I think it's apropos for today, that athletic competitions were as popular in the ancient world as in our own. Yeah? Some of you can't get your mind on what we're talking about today. You've got your sweatshirt on. You're waiting for me to say, go Pats. I know that. I'm not going to pick any teams today. I always pick the winners after they win. I like picking winners. But Jesus is the winner anyways, isn't he? But Paul, you see, he uses this kind of athletic you know, language and the words of competition and, and kind of makes it applicable to his day just like it is our, to our day. They're going to get out there tonight, right? And they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to play. They're going to go to the very last second, right? I like to watch football too. Did you watch that game last week? It went to the very last couple seconds. Those are the best games to watch, except, you know, if you have high blood pressure, it's, it's just too much. Just don't drink any coffee right before. But Paul got to those very last seconds, didn't he? And this is what he's saying. He's saying, I have. I have. What? I have what? He says, I have fought the good fight. Three things he talks about here. I fought the good fight. And it is a fight. How many of you know that? It is a fight. Do you know that? It's a fight. If you're, if you're not feeling any fighting going on, well, you may not be kind of like there. You may not be like that involved. You may be involved in way other stuff if you're not sensing any kind of a fight going on in your life. Why? Because we have enemies. We have the world. We have our own flesh. We have Satan, the enemy of our souls. We have battles to fight. He says, I have fought. Interesting, this word for fight is 
the word that we get our English word agonize. Agonize. It's a fight. He says, I have agonized the good agony, the agonizing. Is there any agonizing going on in your life? There's difficulties. There's dangers. There's stuff that's taking place. But don't, don't forget that he says it's a good fight. It's a good fight. Are there bad fights? Are there fights that we don't need to be involved in? Yeah. What's that proverb, Alex, where, where, you, where you see a dog going by and you grab him by the ear? To, you know, you get involved in someone else's battle, a battle you shouldn't be involved in. Guess what happens when you grab a dog by the ear? Yeah. Alex can correct me. I got that a little bit backwards there, but you know what I'm saying. When we get involved in things we shouldn't be involved in, but there's a good fight. And the good fight is the fight of the faith, Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, the good fight of the faith that, that we keep fighting till the final bell, the final round, the final seconds. That's what we need to do. But you know, if you ever, if you ever see fights, you know... Uh, you see, you get knocked down sometimes. You get pushed against the rope sometimes. You get, you get tired, and, and, and you just don't, you know, you'd love to just stay in the corner. Give me a longer break. I wish I could have a longer break. But guess what? The bell goes again in this. You've got to get back up again. I don't know about you, but I get knocked down sometimes. But just thinking about it, when you get knocked down, that's a good time to get on your face before God. And then you get the strength to get back up again. See? Get on your face before God. And then get back up, he says. The second thing he talks about is, is finishing the race. And it, it is a race, isn't it? But literally, the word means race course. Not just the fact of racing, but he says, I finished the race course. In other words, there's a course, there's a track, there's, there's a, a, a course set out. And Paul had his own race course. He had his own race course. And I believe that each one of us have our own race course. We're not on the same race course. Oh, we're all going in the same direction. We're all heading towards home. We're all heading towards that prize. But... You have a different course than I do. You have a different personality. You have a, thank God for that, right? You have a different sort of constitution. You have different things that God has put in your life. What are they? What's, what, God, what has God you know, put in your life? What's that course like for you? It's going to be very different. We're all different. We're all, we all have got different things that we need to be doing and, and running with. You think about Peter, and I think about this a lot because we, we have this tendency to compare ourselves to others. You ever do that? You compare yourself to somebody else. Well, you know, look at them. They're doing so good, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And you get your eyes off what you're supposed to be doing, and what happens? You start to get discouraged. You start to get depressed. But I, I always think about this where, you know, uh, Peter, he's talking to Jesus at the end of the Gospel of John. What does he says? He says, what about him? Right? He's talking about John. What about him? And what did Jesus say? 
He says, it's none of your business. Well, he didn't exactly say that, but he meant that. Don't you worry about him. You follow me, he says. Don't you worry about what I've called him to do. If I am, am I going to keep him alive until I return, that's, that's not your problem. My problem is that I need to run my race and you need to run your race, whatever that might be. I found this quote. He says, all of us, that's all of us, that's all that any of us can do is finish our own race. God's call upon each life is different in details and specifics, but he desires faithful endurance from all of us. We've we finish the race one step at a time. He just wants us to be faithful and endure so that when we get to the end, we can say, I have finished my race, the race course that's set out before me. What is it for you? I say this a lot. You know what? I, 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 I need to continually ask God, what is it you want me to do? Is there something new? Is there something different? Or is it just the same things that I have that I need to be faithful in? I need to persevere and I need to keep doing those specific things. He does change them up from time to time for us, right? Different seasons in life. He might have you doing this and then he might have you doing something else. But be faithful. Be persevering in that race course. What's your course? What course does he have you on? If you don't know, guess what you should do? What? Ask him, yeah. Well, God, uh, you know, uh, the crazy old guy uh, at church was saying that we're, uh, you know, should all have our own course. So what is my course supposed to be? Right? I say that because I was speaking to the kids in chapel on Friday and, and uh, I, I said to him, you know, I'm not always going to be here, this old guy that comes to you. And I said, how old do you think I am? And they said, 47. I said, thank you. <laughs> and then somebody said, 81 or something. I go, <laughs> But compared to them, I'm just, you know, an old guy. But you know what? I, I keep saying the same things. And I, and I was talking about how I kept saying the same things to them. And, and they're going, oh, the old guy's saying the same things over and over again. He's talking about his, his favorite subjects, Jesus and the Bible, Jesus and the Bible, Jesus and the Bible. Why does he keep saying that? Well, I took this time to say, this is why the old guy is saying his favorite subjects are Jesus and the Bible. And I want you to know that. That's my course. To let people know, to let these kids know, I have this opportunity. I have this opportunity here to tell you about Jesus and the Bible. That's really what it's, my favorite subjects are. What's your course? What's your race course? You can't say I've finished the race course unless you know what your race course is. Ask him. And the last one, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. Not a faith, right? Not even my faith. It's the faith. And he's speaking there in a, in a powerful term about the faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that this is the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. This is what we're holding on to. This is what I'm holding on to, Paul says. I've, I've kept it, and in this word is also a, a meaning of guarding, that I've, I've guarded the faith. I've held on to the faith. I've watched over it. And, and Paul, 
more than you and I, obviously. He was kind of commissioned to, to uh, clearly define what this faith is, right? The gospel. He, he defined it in, in ways that are, are way beyond, uh, you know, all of us. But he made it clear at the same time that it's Jesus Christ. And, and even Paul said, you know, uh, I would rather speak about Jesus Christ and Him crucified than, than uh, you know, a million words. I'm exaggerating a little bit. He said uh, in 1 Timothy, he said that some people that were eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. They weren't guarding, they weren't watching over, they weren't holding on to their faith, to the faith. So how does that apply to you and I? He says, I've, I've kept the faith. Can we say that? Is it, is it something that you are holding on to, watching over, even in your own life, that, that you're not kind of wandering off towards going after money and, and you know, fame and fortune and that kind of thing? Who's going to watch over your faith for you? We have a responsibility to each other. If I see you going off in another direction, I'm close enough to see that. I have a responsibility to say, whoa, bro. What, where are you going? What's, that's like you're wandering out. Uh, you're, 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 you're leaving your faith here. You, you need to like come back. But ultimately, whose responsibility is it? mine, it's our own, each of yours, to watch over your own faith. And, and those of you that, you know, live with other people, whether it's as, as a family or in a household, that you guard what you have, that, that this, as for me and my household, Joshua said what? We will serve the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve, make a decision. Hey, this is, this is our house. This is my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the faith. I'm going to keep the faith in my life. Who's going to guard over you having devotions? Having a devotional life where you're, you're, you're with Jesus some point in the day, but also throughout the day. We talked about that. The disciples, they were with Jesus throughout the whole day. We're not going to have the devotion police going around. Right? We went to this place, right, and they, they said, you can't open your windows. We paid a lot of money to go stay in this place. You can't open your windows. We said, oh, and then the window police showed up. And they said, your windows are open. We don't have devotion police that are going to go around and say to you, did you do your devotions today? Did you keep up with, uh, you know, your Bible reading program? You've got to read it all in one year, two years, three years, whatever it is. Who's going to keep a track of that? Who's, whose responsibility is that? It's your own. It's mine. I need, I need to watch over my own faith. The faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints, that I'm, that I'm trusting in Jesus. It's about Jesus. And his word that opens up to me more about Jesus. When all it's said and done, right? When all it's said and done. When all is said and done, we get to the end of our lives. We don't know our time, but till then we need to keep fighting the good fight. We need to finish the race. 
We need to keep and guard over our faith, looking for that glorious appearing of our Savior. Look at verse 8. What does he say there? He says, Now, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all, all who long for his appearing. There's going to be rewards. He's talking about rewards here, right? Crowns, crowns, the crown of righteousness. But you know, and we're going to talk about heaven uh, next week, but the best thing is going to be being with him face to face. That's, that's the best. That is the best. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, uh, so concerned about the rewards, although, you know, Jesus tells us, you know, store, you know, store up your treasures in heaven rather than here on earth because this stuff's going to be gone. You know, I think about that sometimes. You know, I have a lot of stuff and, and I have these things that I've done and this and that and whether, whatever, you know. And, you, and, and I think about, you know, we have email accounts and there's like thousands of emails in there. Well, you know, we're going to guard those. And what happens if, you're, if your thing just crashes and they're all gone? Does your life just fall apart? It's, it's all just going to crash and fall apart anyways here. But there, that's what makes a difference. That's what, what I'm looking forward to. That's what Paul was talking about here. He says, not only to me, he says, but to all who have longed for his appearing. That's to all of us. That includes you and me. And, and there's something here, there's something that he's talking about here, about, about having this longing, this looking, this, in, in the King James Version says, loving the appearing, loving it. To think about that. Am I, is that us? Are we, are we longing and, and we, just, we, just, we just can't wait until he comes back? We can't wait until he appears. Will that affect the way that we live? If that's our attitude, do you think? If you're looking for him to come back at any minute, any second, right? Is that going to affect the way you live right here and right now? I think so. Don't you think so? I think so. Warren Wearsby said this, and we're almost done here. We're going to have communion. Communion. Warren Wearsby, he's a hard hitter sometime, sometimes. Listen to what he says. Next to losing one's soul and going to hell, the greatest tragedy of life would be to come to the brink of eternity and discover that we had missed God's will and wasted our lives on fruitless, transient things. Wow. Go Warren. What are we using our lives for? He, Paul was longing, looking, loving the return of Jesus. And so you and I long, look for, and love the appearing of Jesus. Keep fighting the good fight. That's what I say. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep on, keep on, keeping on to the very end. You're not there yet. If you're sitting here in front of me today, you're not there yet. You could, I guess, have a heart attack right now and fall down, and we'd... I don't know what we'd do. We don't have one of those defibrillator things here. CPR, I guess. Let me go. 
some of us who are thinking. <laughs> don't quit, don't give up. When all is said and done, we can say, along with Paul, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We're not going to be able to say those words unless we have done those things. Unless we what? We're doing those things right now that I'm fighting the good fight. I am running the race. I am keeping, guarding my faith, the faith. When it's all said and done. Communion. Communion, we look at Jesus and and I think about Jesus, right? Jesus finished his race, didn't he? Now, you and I, we're not called to do what he did, right? He did it for us. For him, it was the cross, although you and I, he says to carry our own cross, and, and that's a symbol of death, too, that we die daily. But, but you and I, we look to him, Jesus. He's the reason we do what we do. He's the reason behind it all, right? Let's pray first, and then we'll uh, prepare for communion. Father in heaven, I thank you for your words from Paul to Timothy, and, and then uh, from Paul by your Holy Spirit to us, that we need to keep fighting. We get tired. Some of us are worn out, but you want us to keep fighting. Keep running. the race course that you have marked out for us, the, and to keep that faith, the faith. Lord, you're speaking to our hearts, each one of us, and, and I know that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. But you also have the strength that you want to give to us to keep on. But we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith what He did for us. The writer of Hebrews says that we haven't yet resisted to the point of, of shedding our blood. Consider Him who endured such opposition. Consider who? Consider Jesus. Lord, You, You are our all in all. And so we come today, Lord, we come and we and we just bow our hearts, our minds, and quiet ourselves before you today as we come and remember the cross. You had a purpose, and you had a, you had a goal. You had a plan from the Father, the, from the foundation of the, of the world, that you would come and that you would live and you would give your life for all who would trust in you as their Lord and Savior you would rise from the dead. I pray now for each one of us, Lord, that you would strengthen each one of us. I pray, too, for any here that have never surrendered to the cross, that before we take this communion, that you would say yes to him. You'd say yes to Jesus and ask him into your life, heart, and, and you would surrender and say, yes, I'm a, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I need you. You are the hope. Thank you, Father, for you are good. You are good. 
Jesus' name.